Hello everyone, I'm Cynthia Ichisum and welcome to Startup Stories with Cynthia. This is where we talk about the real, relatable, inspiring and exciting journey of startup founders. So, let's get straight into it. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Startup Stories with Cynthia. I have with me an amazing, amazing founder, one of the co-founders of Takeout Media. Um, we're going to dive into the story because Takeout Media is quite a global brand, right? With uh, multiple subsidiaries. And we're going to just walk through how Elijah and his friends, who later became co-founder, uh, co-founders with him, you know, navigated through that whole process of coming up with an idea down to, you know, scaling it into a global brand. Right now, um, Elijah is, you know, joining me from, from the U.S., right? And it's really exciting to see how far and how big they've been able to grow, grow their brand. So we're going to be walking through that. Hi, Elijah. Thanks for joining us in this episode. Hello, Cynthia. I mean, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I am very, very excited. Uh, I love the work you're doing with the podcast and... Uh, the work you're generally doing for startups in Africa is really impressive. So I really count it a great privilege to be um, on this particular um, episode. So yeah. I look forward to us, I mean, going deeper. And I always look forward to sharing my story as I journey on. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. For those who don't know, we have live session um, in, in Abuja right uh, a few weeks back right and that was the beginning of the story and every single person in that room you know had one or two things to say about um, Elijah's story I said you know what let's let's have a a, a full-on session just diving deep so that it can be on record and many people um, from across the globe can get their hands on on your journey okay so let's let's start from the very beginning right I'm, I'm actually quite curious you know when you think about when you think about Takeout Media right now, right, and all that you guys are doing, would you say that you guys, you know, thought about all of this, like saw this from the very, very beginning? Okay, so, I mean, I must be quite sincere, right? Uh, mm. It's, I mean, it's what we, um, it's what we, we, we always had a big imagination, right? Um, mm-hmm. And we still have a big imagination. Just that the way this, these things come to bear really always blow your mind, even when you were experiencing, no matter how big your imagination was, mm-hmm. because um, you typically, every vision typically goes through its challenges. And um, you find out that as you go about your challenges, you meet things that you never expect come along the way. And you have moments of doubts, moments of grief, moments of belief. You know, and it keeps like the cycle keeps going on, off, on, off, you know, like that. So I would say uh, we never really expected it like this, but um, so far we are grateful. Wow. Wow. That's profound. So looking back to why you were a child, right? What was the dream for you? If uh, I don't know if, you, if they ever asked you that question, of, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? What was, what was your response to questions like that while you were a child? So, um, I mean, I've always been a very imaginative person. I was always an imaginative child. So I always imagined various scenarios of the future. 
Um, there were different answers to those questions that I can remember from when I read um, um, Ben Carson's book. I, I read and he spoke about um, how he became a neurosurgeon. I wanted to be a neurosurgeon, you know, um, to um, seeing um, the way um, rappers made money and lived their life. I wanted to also be a rapper, right? <laughs> At the point, I wanted to be a producer. So it kept um, evolving through the years, right? But I think at the at the core of it, I always, as I grew older, I found that I always wanted to be a creator, you know, mm. um, in terms of leveraging the tools that I have, which is my innate talents and skills with um, this uh, my innate talents and then mixing them with my skills to be able to birth the dreams that I have. So mm. there are various pictures of things that would fascinate me and I would reach out to find a way to um, make those things become a reality, right? So I've always been a, I've always been a creative, you know. Recently, I think I did a person a strength analysis. There's this thing they call the Clifton Strengths um, analysis, right? And I, I wasn't shocked on what came out as my major strengths, right? Because then again, I was like, oh, I see, you know, I've always been this person, right? So. So yeah, I mean that tells a lot about us as a person. So it's an interesting test. I think you should check it out. So, mm. um, so basically, it shows you thirty-four different strengths everyone has, you know. And my top five were futuristic, um, belief, developer. Um, I think if I could remember all of them now off the top of my head, futuristic, belief, developer and uh i forgot the intellection and one more so what i found myself strongly on the strategic domain right mm -hmm. strategic and relational domain so um i've always been that person mm. so so i mean at that time you you knew that you were you're a creative person right um, so what was it like being a creative person at home because I'm, I'm guessing, based on what, what's popular in African culture, right? Either you're a lawyer, an engineer, or you're a doctor, right? So in terms of, like, paving the way for, okay, what were you going to do? What were your parents saying when they observed all of these things about you at that time? So, I mean, my parents, I think they, they tried their best. Uh, my dad, interestingly, wanted me to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. Um he actually wanted to be a doctor so bad. He wanted us to even have a deal because he observed that I wasn't really interested in studying that. I did not really like chemistry. I was more towards um, physics. Um, chemistry was like a nightmare to me, you know. So, But um, unfortunately, I lost my dad before I was done with secondary school, so, which is what, like what we have as an equivalent of high school, right? And um, I lost him in my SS2, which is the penultimate year. And um, and that really changed my dreams because my plan was, my, my dad's plan was to take me to the U.S. to go study medicine. And my plan was to um, go to the U.S. and then find a way to become a, a music producer like Timbaland and the rest yeah. of them. You know, so I had my plans. <laughs> had it. Uh, thinking of it now, would I have had the mind to do that? I don't really know. But then again, um, that was the plan. I, I was still childish, right? But when I lost my dad, and I knew I was the only son to my mom and I had mm. siblings. I had to step up to responsibility and I had to find what the alternative life could look like. 
right? So that was a defining moment for me. I had to wake up to responsibility quite quickly and find a balance to what it means to um, just be a creative, a young guy pursuing life on what it means to make money and be a creative, right? So uh, although my mom was, was blessed enough to take me to a very good school in Nigeria, which was a private school, Covenant University, um, mm -hmm. it wasn't without stress, right? It was also something that took a toll on her, you know, wow. making sure that we all uh, went to what do you call it, private schools that are, if our father was alive, he would have been able to um, to pay us, pay our way for us too, right? So, uh, so having done that, I think generally it just made me awaken to finding a balance between being a creative and making money. Unlike the typical young person who wants to just pursue their passion, I understood mm -hmm. that I needed to find a balance because I had people I also loved and I want to take care of. So I always found a way to also want to make money from it. Wow. So from the very beginning, you just had to, you know, be a role model to your um, younger siblings. So, you know, when you were speaking to them, what were you telling them that, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Like when I grow up, when I grow up, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to become this. I'm going to become that. What, what, what was your communication to them at that time to sort of give them that hope that you were going to step in? So, I mean, it wasn't really something I communicated in that sense because also mm -hmm. as, as a young man, you have your self-doubts. Mm -hmm. um, it was more around um, just doing certain things because, you know, as a young only son in Africa, they would tell, tell, they would tell you, oh, you're not the new father of the house, yeah. you know. And <laughs> it's a very interesting statement because nobody really teaches you how. You just necessarily hear it and somehow in your mind, your instinct starts coming up and you start trying to see, okay, what can I do to be a father of the house? You know, and the easiest definition we have in Africa is to provide financially, right? Um, now, that's something that I always look out for options to be able to do. But you see, my mom was really wonderful and she still is, right? Because she never really placed any such burden on me. You know, it's just, it, was just in this, it was just a self... Um, self-inflicted and society-inflicted mindset, right? Mm -hmm. So I never really went on to say, oh, I'm going to do this way. But I always kept telling my mother and I still keep telling her all the great things I'm going to do to take care of her, you know. But um, for my siblings, it was always just about making sure that we're all doing it the right way and trying to inspire all of us to success. As I got inspiration, I also shared it with them. You know, whatever I'm pushing for, I always let them know about it. You know, and I, and I have a very strong and supportive family structure, right? Because my siblings are always there to um, support anything I'm doing or be part of whatever I'm doing at a heartbeat, right? So mm. Mm. That's, that's incredible. That's really amazing. But how, do you, how did you approach um, getting into, into university? Right, you know, especially because private university means you're gonna have a bunch of kids who are from well-to-do homes, you know, and you know, did this sort of affect your self-esteem? Did you come in feeling inferior, or did you like what was the mindset? Like, how did you get into that space to sort of thrive? Okay, so um, so you see, the thing is this, right? I've been a creative. I'll, I'll answer that question in two ways, right? Mm -hmm. Um, growing up, it's not like I grew up in luck, right? Um, mm. Whatever you needed was 
was taken care of, right? In terms of, um, I mean, everything. And, and, and we're taught from a very young age to be contented with what we had. So I never compared myself to anybody. You know, I always had, uh, so far I had what I could eat, you know, and I had clothes that I could wear. That was all, right? I never really <laughs> saw any other thing for me was <laughs> you begging for, for trouble, right? Mm. Or you having to steal or you having to pretend or you having to, um, you know, so, but I, I never really, I never really had to um, compare myself with anybody and I think I owe that a lot to my upbringing, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, also with with the kind of school that we went to, right, Covenant University, mm -hmm. there wasn't really, you know, I always tell people that you get to see what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. I wasn't looking for certain things, right? People, certain people's experiences in Covenant University at the time was based on what they decided to look out for. So if you're looking out for who had the best dress and you wanted to be the best dressed, that's what you're going to see in the school. And mm -hmm. you've probably seen those people that are wearing the dress that are peppering you, you know, and everything. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I never even had a relationship while I was in university, right? So I didn't, I just was having fun. I was just enjoying life, right? Mm -hmm. But then also I think the, my mind also was so fixed on the future mm -hmm. that I treated my university experience like a temporary um, experience. I just felt like, you know what, I'll just be done with this university thing. I actually just want to get into life. That's where the game is real, right? Because I get in the first class does not guarantee me a success in life. You know, so my favorite subjects when I was in uni were life applicable subjects. So I love things like uh, EDS, the entrepreneurship development studies that we did from 100 level to 500 level. I loved... Um, TMC, where we studied biographies, you know, I loved the spirituality where we prayed because I mean, that's something you take through life. I loved, um, I mean, I also loved other things like philosophy and logic, which were, you know, but, but then, um, which are not necessarily practical things, right? But then I was very interested in the things that you could really um, practice through life, you know, things that would be relevant out there rather than things that would just be there. So I never, I never entered university with the mindset to get a first class, that I would say clearly. I always <laughs> wanted to get a 2-1. Not because I didn't feel I could compete, but I, I, I didn't, I'm not sure I was willing to pay the, the price required. Mm. So I just wanted a good 2-1 mm. while I um, experienced other things within the university, like meeting new people, uh, making new friends, reading new books. You know, Every time I would go to the bookstore, and buy new business books or new uh, biography books, you know, and read and stimulate my mind and watch documentaries, right? So those are the things I spent my university time doing. Hmm. So I didn't really have as much kind. And then, you know, we human beings naturally gravitate towards our kind. Hmm. So my kind of people that were around me really didn't even have time to compare themselves. We always just were supportive of each other. Hmm. I remember there was a time I was supposed to my mom couldn't afford to pay for a flight for me to come back home. She said, okay, you know what, see, Elijah, I'm not going to be able to pay for your flight. Just come back by road. You know, and she, I mean, I understand, older, being older now, I understand the financial stress she was under, you know. And um, that's something I'd never done when I was in CU. And interesting, in Covenant University, and interestingly, I never did throughout my stay. 
I never came mm-hmm. home by by car, you know. But it wasn't just because of my own financial standing. I also had brothers, you know, which interestingly, one of my co-founders was one of the people that even supported me that period. So mm-hmm. when um, when I observed that, she told me that you know, there's way we did while we were in school. Then we would book in advance, way in advance, we'll get them cheaper. Mm. Then I didn't even have the money. My friends would contribute money to help me make up my part because we're all going to Abuja together, wow. right? Mm. So we will make up my part that that particular semester, and then I was able to use flight to go back home. Mm. Mm. All right, guys. I don't know if you've heard about a thousand ways to die. There happens to be one way that they missed out on, and that is building a startup in Africa specifically. Okay, now, don't get me wrong. It can be quite rewarding when you see the success of Flutterwave, of Andela, of Paystack. You want to be like them. But it can be very, very hard. And one of the best hacks of actually building faster is doing it with a community of rock stars who are solving Africa's most challenging problems across multiple industries, right? Your challenges as a startup founder is not peculiar to you alone. There are about a thousand and one founders just like you navigating the same challenge or series of challenges that you are going through. You can do it faster when you're in a really good circle. And that's why I want to talk about Founders Cabal. Founders Cabal is building a virtual home for high-impact, ambitious founders. If you are like one of these founders that they have been able to get into their nest, I guess you should actually join Cabal. All you have to do is go to the link in my show notes, the show notes of this podcast, click on the link and apply and join the community. Now, I recommend that you join that community because I happen to be one of the startup advisors in the community. It's really rich, always active and so much to learn. Now, when you get into the Founders Cabal, make sure you say hello to me. I'll be more than happy to wave back in the group. Cheers. That's that's interesting. So you would go to the bookstore, get books on business, on biography. You already you already talking about you know one of your co-founders being among the people that you connected with. So how did you guys get involved in your first business venture? So um, one of my co-founders, Solomon, and mm-hmm. I, we got involved in our first business venture by. Um, going home, it was something we did while we were at home during the break, right? We went mm-hmm. and we began to sell um, hampers. So you all know these Christmas hampers that people use um, to mm-hmm. give to their people they love or respect, you know, during the Christmas holidays. So mm-hmm. we made hampers, you know, and we sold to people, families and friends. And at that time, we made a lot of money because it required us to just have a sample unit. Mm-hmm right and then we did like two samples and then the rest people just paid us so it had little startup cost because we just had the two samples once we got you know we knew we could sell those two any other team would just send you that this is what we've done before and you pay us so we just kept getting orders kept getting orders i think we sold about that christmas we sold about 40 to 50. it was a good one for us because then again Mm. it was almost a 50 to 100 percent markup on that on each hamper right so wow so, yeah. so i mean 
how because you say you friends family so this is not you, you didn't do it in in school you, you did no, it at no. home no it was not in school it was at home um so after that we now took the profit from it um this was like a two to three weeks venture ah. like, you know when you go home for the christmas holidays so it was typically a two to three week venture um let me just say one month maybe but typically mm-hmm. you start in early december and uh you finish before Christmas, right? Because mm-hmm. then again, after Christmas, who is really selling hampers? So, mm-hmm. so it was like a two to three weeks um, venture. Um, then after that, we took our profits and everything. We said we shared it among ourselves, and we invested into our first field business, which was uh, <laughs> first field business. Yeah, like first business that field, right? Uh, officially. Um... <laughs> well, yeah. it was a mis- misadventure because. I think we should have not been smarter than that. We, so a friend of ours told us, oh, he was going to start a company and um, um, it, they were going to go into making tabs and making, um, like, from China. You know, the way mm. they make all these um, tabs and all these iPads and the rest from mm. China. They, um, they basically can make it for you and your own brand and everything. So he was trying to, he had spoken to the OEMs, that's the original equipment manufacturers. And he had some, so it was not him directly. It was a friend of his. So we're just putting our money as equity people. Mm. You know? So I, I think generally we're just business geeks. We were trying to practice what we've read, you know, and practice what we preached. So we just said, okay, let's put our money. Before you know, our money was gone. The company mm. was already existing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so we made all the money and lost all the money you know through a venture that we never knew how much did you give the guy yeah, i think thinking about it now okay no. so let me explain no i missed the point i missed the point <laughs> so we actually did invest the money first of all because the guy was trading forex so mm. it was a smart decision he wanted to do now in the course of the trade of forex he lost the money. Then he told us, you know what, that um, he has been able to keep some of the money, but it's not really so substantial in terms of profits. That why don't we reinvest the money in this new venture that he's thinking mm. of starting? Yeah, so that's how we got to that. Uh, they start the tablets and phones aspect <laughs> of things, right? And um, I mean, that money was about 250,000 naira per person, myself and Solomon, 250,000 naira per person. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, Ooh. but that was a lot of money. That was a lot of money. I mean, I, you think student? that you got it from hampers in the first yeah. place. <laughs> For a student, remember, uh, I mean, <laughs> your average pocket money at the time was 25,000. Yeah, exactly. So, what? So, it's all right, the kid. That's a lot of money, right? So, <laughs> oh so my we God. did that. And, uh, I mean, if my memory serves me right, so, oh, it was a bad experience. But at the end of the day, we moved on. You know, uh, so thinking about it now, me and someone have done a lot of crazy things. <laughs> we just keep trying out. Uh, all we just wanted to do was to be rich. Too. We're not looking for trouble. <laughs> so, so when when that one failed, what was the next? Like, were you guys motivated? Okay, let's go again. You know, as or were you like, ah, let's just relax first and cool down before we get to our next thing? Or so- so the thing is that, you know, the beauty, the beauty of starting anything when you're young is you can take more risk and you can take more losses, right? Mm. Um, because you don't have so much dependent on it. 
right? You can take more risks, you can take more losses. Um, so we didn't really, it's not like we camped on our loss. Mm. Uh, we sat down and said, ah, we've lost money, let's cry, you know? <laughs> Don't get me wrong, it's, uh, it, we, we felt bad, right? But we kind of moved on quickly to try and make it, because also to, he, it's not like we just found out that our money was lost, it's the way the guy did it, it dragged for a while. Mm. Like, you know, when he's telling you, come today, come tomorrow, come today, come. So it kind of made the process of loss a bit bearable, I think. (laughs) 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 But uh, I think that's... uh, I think that was something, though. I think Mm. that was something. Mm. So So, you tried, like, how many more ventures before leaving school? uh, Okay, so... So what happened was, I must say, we... I was involved in... So Solomon and I kind of went our separate ways because mm. we're never really invested in the same venture again after mm. that. Right? We're never really invested in the same venture, if my memory serves me correctly. So, um, because we're both separate courses, um, course of mm. study in school. So, what, what, what happened was that it's not like we started something. It was more like people inv- involved us in different things that we were building. Hmm. Yeah, so we never really started and say, okay, we want to start something new. It was now like, oh, people we invest, people started something and wanted us to be part of it hmm. because they felt like, okay, these people are smart people. Let's have them on our on our venture kind of thing. So hmm. I I joined my friend Tolu I know. Hmm. Um, he's currently in Canada. He's still running the same business though, but <laughs> a different skill. Uh, I see. But there was no equity really. He didn't really give me an equity kind of thing. Do you? So we just had the passion to build businesses, mm. right? I don't think we were even thinking so much. Um, we just were doing things, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, there was that. Uh, so he was doing a technology company where he was servicing companies outdoors. When he wants to go for a presentation mm. out there, I'll follow him. He knows I'm bold. I'll go and <laughs> put my bold face on, you know, and get them to believe that we know what we are doing, you know. I've always been a cheerleader of dreams. Mm. So, um, generally, we just kept doing that. Then, I think during my IT year, because I did a five-year course, yeah. um, during my IT year, that's um, 400 level, is it first semester or second semester? Mm. Um, I now came across an idea. I said, you know what, let us start a company and... That was during my IT, my industrial mm. training program. Mm. I said, let's start a company. And that time, we wanted to name the company Now Now. Mm. Yeah, that was the name we we're going to give it Now Now. And the goal for Now Now was delivery, yeah, logistics. Ah. Yeah, that was why we, so we're going to do logistics. We're going to say, okay, you know what? There are a lot of taxis around in town who don't actually have uh, clients. Can people just hail the taxis like Uber and um, get them to deliver items to them? So Uber was around at that time? Nah, they were not. Okay, okay. But just like you, I mean, you knew what was happening on the global scene. Yeah. So, um... And how did that go? No, so we didn't do it. We're just still in the ideas phase. 
then we just kept evolving. Then you know we now say, okay, let's do advertising instead. Because we're still innovating around the whole taxi space. Mm-hmm. Then we now say, okay, you know what, let's let's put advertising on top of taxis. Mm-hmm. So that was where the idea stopped. Then fast forward, we went back to school. Mm-hmm. And that was the idea that was in our hearts when we were in school. Mm-hmm. And then we tinkered on it towards the final year. I mean, obviously your final year came, you were busy. And mm-hmm. then um you now came back to the real world, right? You came back NYSC. Hmm. as the National Youth Service Corps that everyone in Nigeria is expected to do the one year where you serve your country. Yes. Then, and I said, you know what, let's put our monies together and let's try and start this venture. Should be, we said we can do it. Let's, let's put the numbers together. Hmm. Right? So at this time, Marco was already in the picture? Not fully. No. Not okay, fully. it was just yeah, so Solomon. Time I had Solomon, and there was another of my classmates called uh, Joshua. Joshua mm. was also there, you know, because we served, we did our IT together. So he was, um, because we did IT together, mm. um, you know, the way we did businesses back then. Anyone who was in the room where you conceptualized the idea is also a co founder. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's almost like, you know, there's something they say in Nigeria I will see most chop. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which means that any eye that was present and saw the food should be <laughs> someone that will eat the food also. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's I think that's what we're doing back then. We're practicing knowingly or knowingly, right? Mm. Um. So, um. So, Mapa was not yet in the picture, but mm. remember we're very close. So mm. he eventually joined the picture. I said, I think we need Mapa in this, right? So, mm. eventually joined the picture. And um, the rest, so, like they say, history, right? It's history, right? So, so the four of you embarked. I just feel like you guys are like, you know, the way Justice League is coming out from that um, cave they usually come out from with their capes. So you're like, oh, we're going to disrupt the, the entire advertising space by putting, um, by having taxi tops, right? And just yeah. breaking that whole industry. That's how you guys felt, right? Oh, yes. We thought, well, what? <laughs> we're going to change so i mean i mean obviously you guys you guys are not doing it now so what what did you discover in in that entire process (laughs) (laughs) so so basically right you know i think i love the hubris right that comes with youth because um you just get to discover a lot of things, right? You get to find out that, uh, as you find out that things are not always the way you always envisioned, because mm-hmm. the world is always in a state of flux, right? You, 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 sometimes you just use your mind and you create this controlled environment and you create an idea, and mm-hmm. you forget that you are dealing, you are bringing something to human beings, human beings that have their own mind and have their <laughs> own way of thinking, right? So, and an environment that has own way, you know. There are whole lots of factors to consider when bringing an idea to the world. It's mm-hmm. like um, bringing a baby to the world, right? Mm-hmm. And um, one of the major ideas that we had to, we had to consider was we said we we're going to bring in taxi tops. We felt we we're going to start from Abuja mm-hmm. because Abuja was like a taxi city. Abuja is the federal capital of Nigeria, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a taxi city where. You don't have as much buses like you have in Lagos, 
you know, and even the boss at that time, they had removed them, you know. So there were a lot of changes that were happening in the capital city at the time. So Abuja mm. felt like a very good place. And we felt, oh, if you put this on top of taxes, Abuja is a tax city, you will get more eyeballs than your typical billboards. You know, we even went as far as putting, getting people to put um, trackers in their taxes so that we could get mm. lifetime updates on where these taxes have been. Mm. Right? Screenshots, so these are where the taxes are. These are where, you know, all those kind of um, information. We felt, oh, this will go a long way. We felt taxi talks were at eye level, you know. <laughs> so people will always see, don't like a billboard that you, you don't turn, you don't see, you know. We mm-hmm. all had all had our tests. Mm-hmm. You know? But eventually we brought it to the market, we found out that people don't buy media the way we taught people buy media. Mm-hmm. Right? Wow. We, never, we, we never envisioned that. So, um, so how would they buy media? So people typically bought media based on ego, mm. based on what people felt, based on what other people. So you see someone buy it based on like, okay, um, my this other people are buying billboard. Me, I want billboard too. Why mm. would my brand be on a small taxi when mm. it can be on a on a billboard, you know, because it had this prestige. Mm. No one was really paying attention to the ROI. You know, like, oh, is this really working? Is this thing really... Um, There's there a lot of vanity reasons people were buying billboards, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of had this um, legacy um, look to it, mm. that brand, that legacy look. Mm. So, um, unlike a taxi top that's, I mean, so small in terms of form factor, compared to a big billboard, you know. And it may seem local, right? Like, oh. Yeah, it seems local because of some taxes could be dirty. (laughs) Even when we tried and got clean taxes, you still don't, you still don't compete. You still Mm. don't compete, right? You still don't compete. So you find out that, okay, that form of communication is good, but it's not good as a constant form of communication. You could use it to run a campaign, Mm. but you can't necessarily use it all the time. Think about it like the way you have uh, lamppost advertising in Abuja. You don't see a company that just come and say, we'll take this lamppost for one year. <laughs> Typically, they will take it for maybe a short period, a short campaign, two months, mm. you know, one month, you know. But even they like the fact that it is location-based, that it's near them, maybe near their office or, mm-hmm. or something like that. So we tried all sorts. We even tried to see how we could partner with the drivers to create activations in... Um, for the brand, so if the brand is having an event, we get taxes to come and show up there. We tried all sorts, you know, but there were wow. so many moving parts, mm. and the clients were too young to command to to run that kind of innovation within an industry because mm. we didn't have enough money to keep bleeding. Mm. So we needed to keep stay alive quickly. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And even even with the you, there was the importation, you were trying to import the taxi tops as well. Yeah, we tried importing, we tried even locally manufacturing, but we never did it. But mm. we found someone who could manufacture for us. We knew someone that also was manufacturing. But then uh, we tried importing. Um, mm. We brought in 10 units, and that was the only ones that we ever brought in. Wow. Because it never really grew. Wow. Wow, yeah, that's, that's amazing right there. Like, what you had, you know prepared in the closet was 
Because they're very yeah. different from what you'd expect in the experience. In right? Then again, let's not forget, mm-hmm. we spent, we, we, we beat this idea. It was like a dead idea that we kept beating till we brought those 10 in. So what happened was we were at a place where we, during our service year, we, we contributed our service allowance mm. to try and start the startup. Wow. Towards the end of the service year, after we done the service year, one of our partners, Joshua, now left. He got a better job. I think we're just struggling. Everybody was just trying to find a way their future, right? So Joshua wow. just went on his own. You know, we now had to come, the, like the remainder of me, me, Soma, and Marco had to come together and say, okay, do we think we can push this thing and make it make sense? Wow. You understand? I would say, okay, yeah, we can push it and make it make sense. So we now came back again to the table, you know, and um, when we came back to the table, this time around, we came back with, how would I call it now, fresh, like fresh ideas, right? We said, okay, mm-hmm. um, let's push. So we got pushing. We tried to raise money mm-hmm. for like nine months. We, we were not doing any business. We we're just trying to raise money for Taxi Top. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get anything. Mm. Wow. So we just wasted nine months of our lives trying to raise money. We're like, what kind of thing is this? So like we're cost. And we're, wow. we're, we're bleeding through um lots of money at the time because I mean you're just trying to not like we're expensive, but we're just trying to survive. Wow. Then we go to uh what do you call this thing now? Uh, I've forgotten the name now. But um, what then happened was we just eventually, there was a guy that came to, that just got money from Y Combinator at the time. The mm. guy said, oh, he was going to invest in us. He was going to invest in $20,000, blah, blah, blah. Ah, we're so wow. happy. <laughs> eventually, the money don't come. Oh, wow. Then he dawned <laughs> on us that I'm um, if you don't mm. help yourself, you will die. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So we had to wake up, smell the coffee, and that was when I went to media school and mm. I picked up skills in photography and videography. And then um I we began doing design works so with my squad design, you know. The, so we began doing design work and uh, video and photo work for people raising money. Now, we're still trying to raise money for the taxi top. Mm, why are you doing all of this? Yeah, and that's when we sold our... Um, that's when we sold 10% of takeout media because at the point we had to sell uh, 10% of takeout media at that time. And um, family and friends, my sister, my mm. current partner's wife, mm. <laughs> interestingly. Um, <laughs> oh, my dear friend... Um, I think it's good I mentioned him too. Even mm. he just passed away. Um Toby Ayo. Oh. Oh, he wow. believed in it um very well. And um he he was part of the people at the time. So they all had shares in um uh, in takeout media, right? And uh, mm. they still do till today. So but at that time we sold for those um we sold for for that amount, you know, and basically we now reached the money that we had, uh, that we made and that, and then we brought in the first 10 units. Mm. And then we put up a free campaign for one of our mentors on it. So we okay. just uh, let it look like people are already using it. Mm. Guess what? 
It is to walk. Wow. Oh God, I can't. I can't begin to imagine how you guys felt in that because I mean, your your parents are obviously seeing, you know, all of this. You are. It's not like you're doing it in a different city from, you know, your home base. You're doing it in the same city. Your home base. Your siblings are watching. You guys are good students, graduating from best best schools in in the country, and I mean how did you guys pull through that situation? Because there might be, didn't anybody tell you to go get a job, you know, to... Uh, yes, sir. To... Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, sir. How, how did you pull through that season of hardship? How long was it at, at, as well? Cynthia, <sighs> do I really know? <laughs> you know when you are just trying to get past the next day? Yeah. You know, it's you, you kind of lose sense of time because that's not even your friend. You know, that's not really your friend. Um, you know, you, you you kind of it's not really your friend, right? Mm. And you kind of lose, you kind of lose track of time, right? And but I, but thinking of it now, I think generally we began to see the glimpse of light after three and a half to four years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Took four years. Yeah, three and a half to four years, yeah. So you guys had raised, like, how much at the beginning, that nine months period, trying to raise money? We raised nothing. Okay, so it was nine months. So after the nine months, still continued the photography, media, design, yeah. then try to raise another money to bring the taxi top. Again. Yeah, so, yes. So basically, we we did not raise any external money apart from the money we raised to bring in the taxi top, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, but before then, we we're trying to raise money just being a media productions company. Company. Offering mm. video production, headshots, photography, you know, and all of that. Mm. So it's uh, it took quite a while. You know, it took quite a while. They were, oh, man. You know, you're just trying and trying to see what works. You know, but you know the thing about entrepreneurship is that the more you do, the clearer your eyes become, and mm. you have a better understanding of what the terrain looks like. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, um, this four years into into the game, um, designing photography, what future were you guys holding on to through all of that? So you know the beauty of being someone that went to Covenant University, right, mm. was the fact that we were pumped a lot of information, both spiritual and uh, intellectual, right. Mm. So for every venture, I like to say one of the things that uh, Bishop Wedipo would say is that there is a physical cost, there's a spiritual cost, there's the uh, mental cost, you know, there's a financial cost, you know, so there are different costs. I I think generally we had a good understanding of um, the cost of what it would take us to build an enterprise, right? Mm. Um, and we all understood that and appreciated that. So we just kept encouraging ourselves. We became our own, our own self best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we became our support, we became the support system of each other because we prayed together, we always kept dreaming, we kept our words right. Um, mm -hmm. So, and which is something that you still find with us today, right? Mm -hmm. Anyone that comes around us will always leave motivated or leave inspired to do something, right? Because I'm, I'm, if someone ever tells you, if you ever feel like you don't have someone who believes in your dream, you're lying. I'm, I, I already believe, I've never had the dream, but I already believe. <laughs> Right. So um, you can always count me as a, as a cheerleader of dreams, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I always tell you the truth and help you guide you towards how to achieve it. But uh, you would count on me as someone that will always, um, what do you call it, believe in your, in your dreams with you. Hmm. Oops. <laughs> Okay, guys, you know I have to interrupt you guys um, on this story, but it's going to be really brief. I just want to talk to you about some of the things that I do outside the podcast. I have a newsletter that you can actually learn from. It's a weekly newsletter for startup founders. We break some tables because I realize that there's some tables that need to be you know, broken. So I use that opportunity to just write um, some really interesting things about the ecosystem and also practical things for founders. So make sure you get in on that. To subscribe to it, just go to the show notes and you can find the details there. And also you can follow me across all social platforms. The same name, Cynthia E. Chiso. Okay, I can let you go now and continue with the story. Incredible. So when did when did everything change? The, I think that was the cause growth. Okay, when did everything begin to change? Okay, so begin to change, yeah. So basically, I think everything began to change when we reworked our business model. Uh -huh. We begin to serve because you know the thing about it is that winning in the marketplace is just knowing the right mix, hmm. right, um, of what the market really needs at a particular time. You sometimes many one of the mistakes we make as entrepreneurs is we assume a need, right? Um, we don't necessarily meet a need. So you come to the market and you assume a need and you try to meet that assumed need, you know. And you know the way they say of assumption: when you assume, you make an ass of you and me, right? So, <laughs> so you need you need to be very smart to be sure what the market need is and what value actually they need right uh, because the nature of our business is service business so what that means is um we are we typically make money in two ways we make money as a retainership or as a project so um you always want the retainership because it keeps you living and breathing it gives you a predictable source of revenue um but then you also want the projects because that's where you get your major windfalls Mm. Right. Um, so the, the retainers keep you in the room with the client so that when the windfall project opportunities come, you um, you are there to you are the first person that will hear about it and you will take advantage of it. So maybe you are they are put on a retainer and then they want to shoot a TV commercial. Usually, a TV commercial might happen twice a year or three times a year. Mm -hmm. you know, but uh, if you are not there in the room, you might be forgotten. Yeah. You know. So. Uh, but and if you're only making money from shooting TV commercials, that means you're making money only three times a year. Mm. 
Mm. You know, so, so it's kind of a balance, right? The right balance. Mm. So for us, we began to learn that, right? We found out that our market needed more. There were a lot of demands for social media management, digital marketing services, mm. because it was a new form of media that every brand was trying to understand and trying to position themselves to be to 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 be competitive in. Right. So uh, at that time, Solomon had gone for a trading um, uh, by a certain faith foundation. They did a training that was sponsored by Facebook and Faith Foundation on um, digital marketing and how to build a digital enterprise, blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, I forgot the full title. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually we now went for it and we understood it better because imagine remember we're already production people we already knew how to develop content we knew how to design we knew how to uh, make videos but then we didn't know how to package it then we met them and i remember us also meeting we went for the training then we now also met um other people who are in the industry Mm. now backtrack a little Mm. we had gone to lagos to sell taxi talks and we went to sell to a lot of advertising agencies in Lagos. Mm-hmm. And we found out a lot of them promised us, but nothing came true. We found out we could really do what those advertising agencies were doing, right? Yeah. We just needed to go direct to the pipeline. So we we just took that knowledge, we took the knowledge that we learned, and then we also spoke to someone that was doing something similar in our terrain that mm-hmm. period. Um, his name is George Omoraro. Mm-hmm. He's also a Covenant University Eagle. So we met with him. He told us what the model looked like. You know, he had worked in an advertising agency before. None of us had. So mm-hmm. we felt like, okay, you've worked there before. You've led one before. How can we learn from you? You know, how does it work? Mm-hmm. So we spent some time with the mentorship session with him. And multiple sessions like that became his friend. Mm-hmm. You know, and he mentored us on those, on how to set up, you know, an, an advertising this thing. I mean, he tried. He just told us what he knew. Right, mm-hmm. so we mix. We just took all the knowledge we got and mixed it all together, and we started uh, what we're doing. And then, as we build the structure, eventually the opportunity came. We went to visit one of our also mentors again, and mm-hmm. um, when we went to visit our mentors, he told us. Um, we just, I, I think, I, what happened was I saw a pamphlet of a company on his desk, which was Cosgrove, mm-hmm. and then. I asked him, I said, how, how far with these guys? Do they need any form of digital? Remember, we are refined our model. Do they need form of yes. digital media um, services? See, Kai, he said, exactly. I think, let me call them and ask them now. So he called the CEO, um, who happens to be one of our best of persons right now. Mm. <laughs> so he called the CEO, Miss um, Elizabeth Taylor, and told her, um, and told her about it, you know, and everything. And then she said, oh, let him come, let him come. And then we went, we pitched. I mean, the rest is history. They, they loved what we did. They put us on a retainer. And then we kept, as we're in the room, we kept expanding to other things. And then people loved the work that we did for them. Mm-hmm. And eventually that became a testament because now Cosgrove has become one of the biggest uh, and most pro- profound um, real estate companies in, in Abuja, yeah. right? Um, so you'd um you'd you see that as they grew which we grew because yeah. they too they also exposed us to new um people they kept telling people about us and the great work we're doing mm-hmm. and we kept understanding what the market needed mm-hmm. and kept um, adjusting to them wow i think that that the story of the cost growth you know is 
it's pretty much that statement with that that goes preparation meets opportunity so you guys had refined your model refined your identity refined what it is that you were offering and the people that you were sort of serving and you know just in time you know you were able to meet someone who needed that same that same service imagine if you guys had met the guy when you were trying to sell taxi top right um yeah i mean we would have seen that opportunity right what i said we wouldn't have even recognized the opportunity. That's the opportunity yeah that's that's a really big lesson for um uh, for founders right a really big lesson okay so um obviously takeout media is doing incredible work but if we were to describe takeout media right now if we were to tell someone about you know takeout media today what would you say like describe us in what way yeah, like what you guys do now, because I mean, there's so many subsidiaries. In a nutshell, right? I've had to explain what Takeout Media is to a lot of people recently, especially now that I'm in the US. Yeah. You know, um, I've had to explain. So I, I say it simply this way, right? Um, at Takeout Media, we help businesses and um, organizations communicate and innovate for their customers with their customers and for their customers. So basically, we help them communicate in terms of PR, advertising, digital marketing, content creation. Um, uh, we also help them innovate through technology development and um, innovation planning. Mm. So, so that, that's, that, like, that, okay. that's like a summary. So under us, we have um, various companies. I mean, then if you ask me for more, I can tell you how we go about yeah. it. But then again, um, you said in a nutshell, so <laughs> yeah, please tell us, tell us about the other companies. I think it's okay. So, so, so we have, I mean, Take Out Media on its own is a standing entity as a media um, agency, right? Um, we also have Engine Studios, Engine Studios is a production arm. So, currently, now we are working to create movies, we are working to create documentaries, we are working to create TV shows. We recently acquired um, the license for Project Runway, the international Emmy award-winning TV show to produce it in Nigeria, uh, wow. as Project Runway Nigeria. We are currently working on our first um, co-production to produce something for Netflix called Umbo. We are already done producing. We are going to, uh, on, but not Netflix. Let me retract that. Not Netflix, really. Okay. Um, we are producing for streaming. Whoever takes it up is, <laughs> you know, whether Netflix or Showmax or Prime, that's their choice. There's really nobody passing yet. We don't we've not had any deal. Mm. Um, we also have um, we also have various own stories that we are working on, and we recently launched like an online channel called um, uh, the Culture, where we syndicate social conversations, um, you know, on YouTube. So, uh, so that's what we're doing in Jean. Then we also have a design team. Design team is more of a creative firm. All we do is help organizations with their creative needs from animations to, um, to graphic design, to UI, UX design, to, I mean, fill in the, fill in the blank logos, branding, you know, so typically it's a branding company. Then we have, um, we have um, what do you call it, TM Labs. TM Labs is is more like uh, technology labs where we currently have um, two products right now. Mm -hmm. um, number one is called Targeter, 
it's okay. an intelligent way of media of running advertising campaigns on media mm-hmm. and number two is getly.app which is mm-hmm. a, a great way for people to um create virtual cards and manage their subscription mm-hmm. um online um so that's that's what we are doing currently in tm labs we are hoping for tm labs to evolve to become more like an incubator right mm-hmm. but for now we are working on our own product um then we have um tm africa where we mostly do our non-profit under tm africa we have tm con tm con is a yearly conference uh it's our way of giving back and also putting ourselves as industry uh leaders we have also um dna digital mm-hmm. native academy where mm-hmm. we try to um where we try to educate people with technology and media skills that they may need for um, for their lives. Because one of the things that I didn't study most of the things I'm doing in school, mm-hmm. right? I feel like a lot of young people need market-ready skills mm-hmm. um, rather than just having a degree. I have people who work for me who don't have degrees. I still take them to go to go get degrees. I tell them to go to open university. I get a degree still, you know, but... Um, I believe that you need relevant global skills that are your passports to the world. And that's what we are attempting to do with DNA, you know? So, so yeah, I mean, that's generally about, uh, in a nutshell, what we do. <laughs> so, so we've, we've now brought all those companies together into mm. a group holding, right? Mm. And we call it Technology Media Global, TM Global. And wow. it's registered in the UK. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That, that that's huge i mean thinking back to how you guys came here it's really profound so as we sort of wrap up this episode which i feel so sad about because there's so many questions i have so now, there's this question on this these are multiple companies there's this question on managing the operations of all of this mm. right so one 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 sub question on the grandchild of that is when you guys were at early stage, what were your priorities? And now that you guys are like the scale-up stage and global expansion stage, like what are your priorities now, right? Um, you know, yeah, I think we'll start from there. Then we'll talk about... Okay, so, so, so typically, right, your priorities as a business um, founder is to always work with, maximize your resources, right? It never mm-hmm. changes, really. But just that the resources that you might have direct control over might change. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, our focus is on developing more leaders, um, accessing more opportunities that can help the organizations grow because we are still at the front burner of it. We are still championing. Uh, we are still champions, or should I say evangelists, mm. you know, of um, what we build. So, we, And then also we have to develop leaders who can also manage the operations and also attract opportunities for the organization. And the early days, you are more or less trying to do the work yourself, and you are also mm-hmm. trying to get clients. But now you typically more focus your time on getting clients, ensuring the clients are well taken care of, and developing the leaders within your organization to come up. Mm-hmm. So, while well, also developing yourself, right? So, uh, so, so that's the very which is the other part, right? How do you guys manage, you know, development, both as an individual and also as as co-founders, the three of you? Do you guys engage in? I know now you're at, you know, this Mandela Washington um, Fellowship, right? Do you guys actively seek out opportunities to build capacity so that you can constantly manage the operations of of the organization? 
Ah, yes. Yeah, so, so the thing is this then. Um, typically, most of what we're doing in those foundational years were learning. Like, we literally would come to office and we don't have anything to do. I remember the office this time was Solomon's father's parlor. Yes, <laughs> yes. Really the first two to three years, right? So, um, you came to the office every day and you didn't have anything to do. All we did was spend time reading books, watching documentaries, um, taking courses online mm. on business and the rest. And it's a habit that we've just built over time. We typically just learn. And now it has rubbed off on TM. TM, we like to call ourselves the intelligent company. You can meet anybody in TM. And trust me, you have an interesting conversation with them wow. because they are always learning. We have systems of learning within the organization. You're either working on a presentation or reading a book. You are always mm -hmm. learning. Like it's part of our culture, right? Wow. Knowledgeable because th that's the kind of business that we are in. Today we are talking oil and gas. Tomorrow we are talking real estate. Next tomorrow we are talking technology. So you need to be wide enough to be able to absorb those kind of conversations, right? Um, so we are typically a learning company. You know, we are always learning. Mm. You know, we are always learning. Mm. So you, you said systems of um, um, learning, like learning systems, which brings me to my other question on managing people. So the hiring process, would you say you guys have like a unique way of hiring and taking care of, of your people, even from the time when you didn't have so much money till now that you, are, you, know, you have enough resources to be able to pay them um, well? So the thing is this, right? Um, you asked two questions, right? Which is, mm -hmm. uh, first of all, um, if I got you right, the... Systems of learning. Systems of learning, right? So mm -hmm. systems of learning, it's, it's more like, it's just institutionalized, right? So we have something we call the TM7, which came at a point where I was running 7 a.m. classes on, on marketing to my people. It was more like a back to the basics class, but the name has just stick stock. Right, so we just call it TM7. Um, it's a, one of our pillars of learning in TM where mm. we develop people with different assignments. So it changes every year. Mm. Uh, or should I say even every quarter because right now I'm not even in charge of it anymore. Solomon and um, Richie and Gary, I'm sure you know Richie, yeah. who's in charge of Ketley and um, TM Labs is um, in charge of it now. So typically mm. everyone is working on something. Depends on your level within the firm. The curriculum mm. is changing. Um, mm. I think the last one I witnessed was they told them to do like to go study everything. They broke them into groups mm. and study everything on. Um, I think they were studying a particular business in Nigeria. Um, wasn't what this guy Money Point. So mm. they studied everything on Money Point, and each team brought their represent their report to see who had more details. They gave them benchmarks. Go mm. the kind of work that you give to a VC analyst, a young. Mm. Yeah, so um, they give them benchmarks to study how did they penetrate the market, how did they buy food, what are the challenges, what are their numbers. And I sat down in this class and so it was teach them boldness on presentation, mm. open their mind to what's happening out there, you know, and everything. So, I mean, and these are people that are maybe graphic designers, video editors, you know, but you can do your research and you have to come with a bang, right? So, so I mean, they competed on that. I think they should have done another one, but unfortunately, I'm not around, so I don't think I know what they've done but uh, it's a system of learning so maybe another one might be to read a book and summarize it you know you pick the book you get it approved by your supervisor and then you do a one-page summary or two-page summary of it you know and then you create a presentation to us you know or sometimes you might see maybe people from tm posting certain things um part of their tm7 like okay you must post those number of articles every quarter 
you know, you must, um, you must, um, I mean, whatever, like, I know, I just saw one that they're doing now, um, mm. 30 days of copy. So a young intern is at our firm and she has to create one copy every day for a brand, a fictional brand in her head, you know, and she will do it, you know, and be posting it. Not, so you're not submitting to me, you're posting it on your page. Let your people see that you're into advertising. Like, like it's almost like your rite of passage, mm. really like their rite of passage, you know. So um, you just do it to keep yourself fresh, you know. But then um, the second question you asked was, uh, how do I work? So before you even go to the second question of hiring, right? Yeah. I mean, like a sub question to this is, how do they find the time to do this in addition to their normal day to like? How do you find that balance? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they will find the time now. There's time. <laughs> no time. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, okay. <laughs> don't don't make me look like a slave driver. <laughs> It's for your benefit, that you be used to go and watch Netflix. You, you find, John. Oh my God! I mean, it's good. It's good because I'm I'm thinking how you're able to convince them to be able to do those things in addition to their work, and that's where well, the that's where it's coming. Right? The thing is this, right? I always tell people, like I tell my people in the office that see, I mean, I, I think there was even a time they they told some of them that it was a particular tax that was voluntary, you know. But the thing is this, and I told them, I said, why really? Because the thing is this. Uh, you, you know, anyone, I, I like to brag that anyone that gets someone that has worked in TM and has absorbed TM's culture will get someone solid. Mm. You don't really do it for me. You're doing it for yourself. Because this is our business. Really, really, you are, it's a people-dependent business, right? So if tomorrow now you choose to leave me in TM, I'll, I'll go with all the things I've taught you now. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's really for yourself you're doing it. It's not for me, <laughs> you know. I, I just happen to be a beneficiary. It's for, it's for yourself. So I just I just let you know what it is. I don't suffer fools gladly. I just tell you <laughs> as it be. <laughs> this is the value. This is the value for you. Do you believe in my leadership? If you do, I yeah, subscribe. <laughs> like and share. So... Like and share, yes. <laughs> So that then, then look at um, hiring. So, what are some of the things you guys have held on to? Yes, when it comes to hiring, so, so, from, so even from the days, is... even from the days where you didn't have like a lot to pay, and and now too as well. Mm, I think the best person that you can have this conversation with is Marco. He handles um, people operations, but I will tell you to the best of my own knowledge, we always to the best of my knowledge. We look out for people who can vibe with our culture. We look out for people who want something that we want in terms of you're hungry to make an impact, you're hungry for good. So we're typically looking for people that carry our DNA. Not necessarily the same as us in terms of mm-hmm. personality-wise, but have the same DNA. I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. Yes. So we yeah. all want growth, but doesn't mean that we are all introverts, right? Mm. We need everyone's spice, but we are all going to the same um, destination. Right, so um, so there is that. Um, mm-hmm. Then we also involve the people within the system in it. So mm-hmm. it's not just founders hiring now. So typically now, if someone's going to need a graphic designer, mm-hmm. it's the lead graphic designer that will be involved in that process. It's not just going to be HR. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, and then also, there's a framework that we, well, we keep learning. There's a framework we came across called 
you must get it, you must want it, and you must have the capacity to do it, right? So GWC. Um, so if sometimes people don't get what the role requires, mm. sometimes they might get it, but they might not have the capacity to do it. Mm. Sometimes they might get it, have the capacity to do it, but they don't want it. Mm. You know, I remember the time I was interviewing someone for a role, and her life's dream was to become a professor in university. And I'm like, I don't think you need to work here. Mm. Uh, because I'll be struggling to keep you motivated. Like oh. I tell people that I, I don't motivate people anymore. Mm-hmm. I only motivate them. Motivate so, them. Yes, I only motivate. I aid your motivation. Because mm. really, you can't motivate another human being. The person has to find... I can help you find your motivation. But I can't... Um, I can't be the one to... I can't be your motivation. Yeah. You know, I want you to find what, what does it mean to you? Is it money? Is it impact? Is it significance? You know, and then we have various systems that we put in place also to help better understand our people and where they are and um, what they want out of life, you know. Mm. Mm. That is huge. This, this has been a really robust, robust podcast. So um, to the early stage founders listening to this podcast, what would be your advice to them? Hmm. I mean, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I think the thing is this, right? I'm I'm, I'm still an early stage founder because I'm always founding something. Mm-hmm. But um, I think my encouragement to us all will be to create something that solves a problem, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of um, let's not get into the craze of trying to, you know, right now I th- I see a lot of people caught in the in the in the what I call the casino of fundraising. Mm. where you are just basically raising money and competing yeah. and people have to their faking numbers and there are a whole lot of things those things break my heart yeah. um i think people should um should focus more on create solving problems there are lots of problems to solve in africa let's really solve problems or else we might really regret it um in the future because people might stop trusting us with the um funding that uh, they've, they've been trusting us with so far, of which, I mean, if you look at the numbers, it has dropped, right? So, yeah. so it's, I think we need to really take responsibility and stop with the fun and games, you know? So, but besides that, I think everyone must stay committed, um, be, be, be dogged about the vision, but be mm-hmm. flexible in the journey, right? Just keep remaining flexible and be humble enough to learn, you know, mm-hmm. just keep learning. There's no, just where humility as a cloak don't 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 take it too seriously just wear humility as a cloak and just say hey i missed it here man <laughs> i think it's a new direction and laugh it off you know mm. don't get don't let it get beat you so hard you know mm. i think people should just have that genuine humility you know to just wear i know sometimes you get it right and you feel like a king yeah but many times you get it wrong too so just just wear humility always wow wow and it's funny how all of these lessons you've shared are, you know, you, you we can pick them from your story, you know, as, with the fundraising parts, how you guys went through nine months of trying to raise funds, still couldn't raise funds, eventually raised funds from the, the, the business you wanted to invest in, or you wanted to use it for, wasn't exactly the right one. And that's why you said, you know, find, you know, try and solve a problem, right? Try and solve meeting need, because that was when things changed for yeah. you because your approach towards the business was different, right? So guys, I mean, you've you've heard it from you know the co-founder of Takeout Media. 
and it's it's been an amazing session this is one podcast that you want to listen to over and over again you know in that moment where you know you're feeling down you listen to this podcast and you realize that you know there's there's hope right if you just apply the same principles there's hope right and thank you so much thank you so much elijah for for doing us the honor of of having this so thank you very much, uh, Cynthia. And I, I also invite you also for my uh, to come and spill the beans to uh, what's <laughs> going on with uh, what you guys are doing at uh, what do you call it now? The Aboki. No, no, not the Aboki. Which one? BP. Oh, Spark Venture. Oh, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so um, yeah, so it's definitely exciting. I'm looking forward to to working with you and, and the rest of the team at at. Um, him global thank you so much cynthia i really appreciate you <laughs> all right guys i will see you on all right so there you have it thank you so much for listening up to this point i'm really excited that you stayed all the way to this point where you're hearing my voice but don't just keep this to yourself share with community friends family startup founders that you know will really really need this and also send me a dm of how this has helped you or in what way you were blessed by it you can send me an email send me a v and i'll be really really excited to receive it all right there you have it i remain cynthia ichisum and this is startup stories with cynthia